Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello? Hey, Jay. Hey, Keith. How's it going, man? Hey, Will, man, how are you doing? I'm doing great. So glad you could join us today. I appreciate it. Hey, man, great. Thank you. I'm excited. Yeah, and I was uh, I had been wanting to put the, do the interview before now, but we had um, we put our show on hold because my father had passed away in August, and we were kind of busy trying to get all that stuff, all his affairs and stuff in order the last uh, month and a half. I'm sorry so to hear to... about that, brother. Yeah. Might have told me that when I was there, but when I saw you. But did you get everything fixed up and Yeah. Yeah, everything's all done. It was just uh he lived down in Fort Myers away from us, so Uh we had no idea what we were getting into when we got trying to get everything uh situated after he passed away. So all that stuff is taken care of finally. (laughs) That's wonderful. Get that behind you, yeah. About that. Sir. Okay, so I sent you um, in the email, I sent you a little information about King and Builder. I know I talked to you about it back in September, kind of gave you, probably gave you a brief rundown of what we do on the show and everything, but uh, we, I actually started a website called Christian Music Review back in 2004, so I've worked within Christian Music for almost 15 years now, and um, 10 years ago, I started doing the interviews for Kingdom Builder, which was originally just a podcast i did an interview now and then but now it's uh it's turned into like a one-hour show for the last uh, almost three years now so um uh-huh. and we we interview everybody it's not just music anymore we uh you know we talk to people that work in film work in books sports anything christian entertainment we we have those kind of guests so yeah, i saw where but, you, you interviewed dolph Lund- lundgren is he a christian uh, I think he's. I think he said in the interview he's Lutheran. Um, he oh, grew okay. up in a Lutheran church, but um, kind of like Catholicism, non-practicing. I don't think he goes to church. He had mentioned going to church as a kid, but yeah, yeah. That was yeah. my very. That was my very first recorded interview. I had done interviews before that, but that was the first official um, one for Kingdom Builder, and I was very nervous because I grew up watching him in you know action movies uh, in the eighties and stuff. <laughs> yeah. and he he of course played He Man, which was the biggest movie of uh, 1987 for kids uh, that are, were in elementary school that loved that uh, cartoon. So it was, it was quite the thrill, but oh, yeah. um, I don't, I had told you back when I had met you that <clears throat> my mom, grandmother, and a lot of my moms of the family, uh, you know, grew up watching I Love Lucy and stuff. So I remember seeing a lot of that and somebody my age, you wouldn't really think would, have seen a lot of those shows, but since my grandparents love, you know, Bonanza, Gunsmoke, I Love Lucy, all those 60s shows, I got a chance uh-huh. to see a lot of that. So I remember, I remember seeing you as a kid uh, on that show when, when, when I was younger, when I watched it at my grandma's house. Well, that's cool, man. At least you got some, some uh, uh, 
pioneering stuff in there, Bonanza and things like that. Some real TV. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. TV, TV, TV is definitely not the not the same as it as it was back then. I tell you that. No. No. Unfortunately. Okay. So, so what we're gonna do is I have broken up this interview into three different talking points. The first talking point we'll go over. Um, it's kind of in chronological order. We're gonna go back to the I Love Lucy and Andy Griffith days. Talk about your time on the show on both of those shows, and then um, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to say that I'm going to take a break, because we're, we're actually, I'm going to put all this stuff in post-production, but when the show airs in January, uh, we'll have all the music and stuff in the show, but I'm going to say we're going to take a break shortly, we'll be back here with Keith, and then the second part, uh, we'll, we're going to talk about your time with David and the Giants, uh, and music in general, and then we'll close out. Uh, by talking about what you and your wife do now with Ballet Magnificat. Is it Mag- Magnificat? Is that how you pronounce it? It's like Magnificat, like a, like you sleep on a cot. Magnificat, okay. All right. And your your Latin is pronounced Thibodeau? Well, it's uh, silent. It's like Thomas. Tip, Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Yeah, you don't say Thomas. You, you don't say, say the Thomas. H. Okay, so Thibodeau is how you pronounce it. All right, I want to make sure I didn't mess that up when I went through that. <laughs> no, perfect. People, people have did, done it, and I'm used to it, unfortunately. Yeah, and I was reading, uh, I was reading online that uh, Desi had actually changed it from Thibodeau to to Richard Keith because people would probably have a hard time pronouncing. I was reading that, so. Yeah, I mean, I think we've gotten a little bit more uh, international as far as our you know, awareness and stuff. So, but back yeah. in those days, it was, you know, it was very, very hard. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, if you are ready, we'll go ahead and get started. <clears throat> Let me get my recording started here on my end. All right. Let me silence my computer, make sure my phone's not going to ring. All right. Hello and welcome to Kingdom Builder. I am your host, Jay Heilman, and I am very excited about my guest today. At a very young age, he made his TV debut on a little show you might have heard of called I Love Lucy, and for the past 50 years, he has been part of one of the pioneering rock bands of contemporary Christian music in the group David and the Giants, so I am thrilled to welcome Keith Thibodeau to Kingdom Builder today. Keith, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, brother. I appreciate you having me on your show. Thank you. Well, I am glad to have you on here. And first off, congratulations on the milestone with the band upcoming, which uh, you've been a part of Dave and the Giants on and off for the past five decades. Congratulations. Well, thank you, brother. It's uh, it's been a pleasure to be able to regroup and and um, and sort of um, take up our take up our swords and, and get back on our instruments, you know. It's, it's been fun, yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, I mentioned in the opening that you were part of the cast of I Love Lucy back in the 1950s playing Lucy and Desi's young son, Little Ricky. And for those listening in that watch the show and are fans, how exactly did the opportunity come along uh, for you to be a part of that show? Well, you know, I, I began playing um, drums, uh, actually on the back of, um, on the top of 
ten trash cans in the backyard uh, in our home in Louisiana uh, when I was like two years old and just got more and more interested in the drums and my dad bought me a toy drum and you know people had said you know hey you know I think he's got some rhythm you need to get him a real set and so my dad finally got me a real snare drum and you know I would listen to things like parade drummers and things like that big band stuff on the radio when you you hear stuff in the 50s you know um, Benny Goodman orchestra you know just people like that and um, then this guy uh, well then, then, then it morphed to more like I would be featured at Kiwanis Club meetings and Lions Club meetings in, local, in the local town and and then um, the high school would have me over there and I'd do a little performance for them and then finally this guy who um, who had a show on uh, it was called the Swift Premium Hour his name was Horace Height and he was a big band leader back in the in the 50s and he toured all over the US and, and um, North America Canada um, he came to Lafayette, Louisiana, which was my hometown, and he had a, a, a talent contest, and uh, they, w- they would feature local talent, and then you, if, you won a, if you won the, the prize, you know, you'd get some kind of a, a prize or whatever. And um, so after I was on that show, I won uh, the talent contest, and uh, my dad went up to, to Mr. Height, and he was kind of looking to see if, you know, his son had any future in, in show business. And my dad said, uh, and, my, and Mr. Hyde said, no, Mr. Thibodeau, I don't believe that, um, you know, your son uh, has any future in that. Uh, but nevertheless, two weeks later, he called my dad and said he would like to offer uh, me a job with the, with the band as, as a featured kid, you know, um, and my dad would have to quit his job. So he quit his job and got on the road with me, and we did this tour with uh, Horace Height and his, and his band. And um, so, you know, of course, he compensated us, I think, 500 bucks a week for that. And then, uh, you know, we left our family, my mom and two, my brother and sister, and then we went on, uh, you know, on the road, and, and, it was, um, and it was that life for about a year or so. And then his show ended up in California, and we did a hiatus there in uh, Sherman Oaks. So that's how I got to California, uh, to make a long story short. And then um, the audition for the Out of Lucy show came up, and a friend told my dad about it. So we, we went to the studio. We went to Desilu Studios, and I got the job. I uh, played the drums for him, and they they just thought I was a, a perfect uh perfect per, uh, kid for the, the part. That's awesome. And, you know, I've read that though the show was comedic in nature, both Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz took it very seriously. And, you know, going back to both of them, what would you say your greatest memory is working with these two uh, TV legends? Let's start with Desi. What are, what are your greatest memories of working with him? Well, you know, my greatest memories is that, is that he was uh, – I really, I really did like Desi as as a, as a person, as a just just general good guy. He was a very generous man. Um, you know, he um, he had talent. Uh, I believe that he had comedic talent. Uh, Lucy played off of him, and he reacted, and 
you know, it was it was just an amazing um, dynamic that those two had together. But my memories of him were uh, was that he was a very complex individual who came from Cuba, and I identified with him in, in some respects um, because I was from Louisiana. I was from a, a, a you know a a minority group of Cajuns in Louisiana who spoke French and and um, and it, it I had a weird name like you know Thibodeau and and that was unpronounceable so they changed my name to Richard Keith and he actually did that and uh, he was the man who actually uh, you know stood up after we had I played the drums and said uh, uh, well I think I think we found little Ricky and he just laughed and he was just a, a real guy you know he was he was a uh, he he made in, in a lot of ways he made me feel comfortable on the set. Um, now there was another side to him that was not as comfortable feeling, and that was you know his alcoholism and, and he would he would be a you know kind of a mean drunk kind of guy you know. Uh, he, but he never really he never really said anything bad to me, and that's. Um, you know that that I'll always remember him. I always appreciate him. Um, I remember him sending me um, a nice gift on my graduation when I graduated high school, after I'd left Hollywood um, and went back to Louisiana and finished high school there when my mom and dad separated and divorced. So I, I it just he just really um, was a nice guy. Uh, whenever I would go to their home. Uh, and spend a lot of time with their kids. I was best friends with their, with their son Lucy and Desi Jr. Um, you know, he would give me, he gave his kids a gift like a bowling ball, like a customized bowling ball, or a Rams jersey, uh, or a helmet, or anything like that. You know, he he would give me the same thing, and he taught us how to ride, and you know, just uh, brought us on his fishing boat, and it was just a. Just a great experience with him. Well, that's there were great. some stories. There, I'm sorry. There were there were some stories too that were uh, uh, I put in my book uh, Life After Lucy, which I published in 1994. Uh, but you know, it, it he he had like I said, he had a, another side that was a little, you know, could be a little frightful for a kid, you know. Well, that's cool. Switching over to Lucille Ball, uh, what was your fondest memories, you know, working and spending time with her? Uh, she was um, a professional, as was Desi, and, uh, um, you know, she was very unlike her character, um, Lucy Ricardo. She um, played a great part in the, uh, the writers for the show. Uh, they were geniuses as well, and so she was. She was able to bring that those writing parts for her, and and really bring them to a, another level, and and uh, brought that character out in such a way that uh, you know people are just still talking about her today. You know. Oh, definitely. All right, let me scroll down here. Now, I Love Lucy, Keith, was not your only part when it came to TV. You actually played the recurring character of Johnny Paul Jason, friend to Ron Howard's Opie Taylor on The Andy Griffith Show as well. 
Uh, mm-hmm. What was it like working on the Andy Griffith Show? Well, that was that was a great experience, and if I had to to compare the two experiences of I Love Lucy and Andy Griffith, and I've said this before, but uh, uh, the I Love Lucy show was a little bit more of a a, a stressful situation um, for me than uh, the Andy Griffith show. The Andy Griffith show uh, was just a fun experience. It was just a you know I had other kids on the show with me. Ron Howard was was a was a good good friend on the show and and we were uh we hung out you know a lot together on the set and um would go to the commissary and have lunch and have a hamburger there and play catch you know baseball and um we we uh we really you know hit it off and um i i just really um uh really appreciated the fact that that it was a very laid back set rather than a very stressful set um, and in a, in a lot of ways, the Andy Griffith show, uh, they were playing themselves to a certain extent. Um, unlike I Love Lucy, which was um, not so much themselves, but they were playing a, a role, you know, a part. Um, I mean, obviously, the Andy Griffith show uh, had, had, had genius uh, actors in it like Don Knotts, and, and you know, he wasn't, he wasn't his character, but yet he was a he was kind of a down home southern boy, as was Andy and and uh, most of the people on the set. And me being from the South, that I identified very much with uh, with uh, that, and it, and it made me just want to go back uh, back to Louisiana even more um, in, in some ways. Well, you know, uh, you know, you, you work with with Andy Griffith, Don Knotts, both legends in Hollywood. And also you mentioned, you know, actor turned Hollywood director and Ron Howard. Um, you know, with I Love Lucy, you're definitely the youngest actor on the set, but with Andy Griffith, you, you know, act alongside Ron, who's now an Oscar award-winning director, um, who's actually only a few years younger than you. Uh, did Now you, you say that the, the sets were different, but did working with Ron, make it more comfortable acting alongside someone closer to your age with the Andy Griffith show? You know, it, it was a, it was a really cool dynamic on that show. It was just, it was a fun dynamic. It was a laid back, um, feel. Uh, I mean, I would never on I Love Lucy show, uh, give a suggestion to the director about what I should say. But but on that show, you know, Ron and I would 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 we would do that. You know, he would do that. Um, you know, if, if it didn't sound like a little kid would say that, you know, we would say, well, can we just change this word and say this or whatever, you know? And that, that you know that was the kind of um, and and looking back at that, I could see where his interest lied. Um, he was very, very interested in behind the scenes part of everything, and uh, it fascinated him. And then, uh, of course, he went on to to uh, to be a, a great director, you know, um, talented guy. Um, so, so it, so it didn't it didn't come as a surprise when you later saw him uh, directing, you know, films later on. No, not at all, because uh, you know he. He always, you know, his dad, 
I think maybe instilled that. His, his dad was very, uh, he was smart uh, in that he knew how to, uh, uh, to maybe steer him in the right direction and, 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 uh, and uh, not that he forced anything, but that it was, uh, you know, it, it, was, uh, it was a natural progression, I think, for him to go from, you know, actor to, to director because, uh, uh, and I think it was a very smart move for him uh, as far as, uh, you know, his livelihood is concerned, you know. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, you know, going back to that relationship with you and Ron, did you guys, do you have any memories of him on the set, like fun memories of you guys hanging out or maybe doing something off set during that time? I mean, we were just kids. I mean, we, we had, uh, and usually when I was on the show, we had a couple other kids on the set with us. So, uh, Ron, uh, I think he kind of looked up to me on the set. Um, because I was a couple years older than he he is, and uh, um, I, you know he he had kind of known about me from his teacher, uh, who taught him on the set, Catherine Barton, who was a um, who worked for the L.A. Public Schools, and uh, she had told Ron after she left the I Love Lucy show uh, that you know would would talk about me and. And the times we had on the Isle of Lucy show, and and so when, when I when I actually uh, began to to be on the show, uh, he kind of knew a little bit before um, I came on who I was. You know, why well, didn't just come off the street? You know, and and I think that um, and just he was just really one of the nicest guys, uh, kids in Hollywood that that I'd ever really met, and uh, we we hit it off really well. Well, showbiz is a thing of the past for you, but have you kept in contact with anybody from those days or, you know, take part in any kind of reunions or get-togethers now? You know, I do, I do an occasional Andy Griffith reunion. I, I, I did the, uh, the Mayberry Festival uh, that they have in Mount Airy, which is Andy Griffith's hometown. I did that this past year. They had asked me to do that uh, event uh, numerous times, but I've never been able to do it. But... I was able to do it. My wife and I went there, and uh, in fact, I uh, there was a guy, Dennis Rush, who who was uh, Howie on the show, and he was on some episodes with us. He was there. I hadn't seen him since the show, and that was a real blast from the past, just to see this guy. He works in uh, in La Jolla now in restaurant management, and um, it was just, I mean, just to go back and and you know we just rec- recounted you know the stories and how it was back then and what it was like. And it, it just was a fun experience, you know. Um, but I don't really, I've not really stayed in touch with Ron throughout the years. Um, um, I just got out of that, that industry, that acting uh, industry, and moved back to Louisiana. And so uh, um, I kind of, uh, I kind of wanted that, that part of my life to be kind of, put in the past, and, and that was that, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I I still remember the days, that's for sure. Oh, definitely cool memories. Well, we have been joined by Keith Thibodeau, but stay tuned as we'll be right back with him to talk about his music career right after this next song. 
All right, and that's where we'll break in the song and that recording. Welcome back to Kingdom Builder. We have been talking to former child actor and musician Keith Thibodeau. And Keith, after your success of working in TV, you landed a drumming gig with a band that's now considered one of the early pioneers of contemporary and Christian rock music, a band called David and the Giants. And since 1969, you have actually been a part of that group on and off throughout the decades. Tell us about how you first became a part of the band. Um, I was actually playing with uh, my little high school, uh, a high school band called the Persian Market. Uh, I was 16 years old, and our manager, uh, Ben Skolnick, uh, he took me to Biloxi, Mississippi from uh, Louisiana and, uh, and, and wanted me to, to uh, play or uh, introduced me to the, uh, the club owner of the Vapors Club, which was a very famous kind of a, a club down in, uh, in Biloxi Gulf Coast area. Uh, people like uh, Little Richard played there, Jimi Hendrix played there, uh, Almond Brothers, uh, before they were the Almond Brothers, uh, just a numerous bunches of, uh, of different talented um, musicians played there. So David and the Giants were the house band there at the time. And this was back in uh, when I was 16 years old. Um, so I actually sat in with David and the Giants. And um, at the time, I was like 16 years old and way young, you know. And, and uh, David looked at, looked at the manager and said, well, you know, hey, who's this guy, you know. And uh, I played the drums. And, and um, uh, of course, he, you know, he looked at the manager and he said, well, who is that little kid? And... Uh, the manager said, well, that's little Ricky from the Isle of Lucy show. So that started a friendship with that band. And uh, I went on to go back to Louisiana, and that actually uh, uh, helped my band be able to play uh, a week or so at, at, the, at the Vapors Club. So we actually played there. And, um, but then I, I just kind of stayed in touch with David and them throughout the years, and I would see him play, and I'd always – you know, love them because they, they were, like, really cool and all that. And then um, so I was playing in some jazz bands and rhythm and blues bands in Louisiana, and David came and heard me at a club playing one night after they played somewhere in town, and uh, he asked me if I could, if I would, you know, move to Mississippi and uh, consider playing drums for him. And I just really literally jumped at the, at the, at the chance. I was 18 years old. Uh, or, I, or I guess I was 19 by that time. It was 1968. I just graduated high school, and um, I didn't know what to do. I was just, I was just kind of like, you know, I just want to get out of town, you know. Um, and about that that time, um, I left and moved to Mississippi and joined David and them and began to play with this with this band that had some uh, regional hits like uh, Super Love, Ten Miles High. Um, and David had done some recording in Muscle Shoals, and uh, and so he was very connected with uh, with the music industry uh, in the South, in particular. And uh, and we toured New York, we toured Florida, we we went all all through the South, you know. New Orleans, we played in New Orleans. That that was my first uh, gig with David and the Giants was in New Orleans. I think it was 1969. Now, I actually heard, Keith, that the band initially started out as a mainstream act, but all of you um, had 
eventually accepted Christ and kind of came back together later on to form the Christian group. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I, I had been through a, a period of drugs and, you know, uh, you know that was just so, so much going on in the, in the late 60s. Um, you know, and, and so I'd been through all that stuff and, and uh, I got down to the end of my rope and, and, uh, and really got to the point where I was, you know, literally clinically depressed. And I would hear voices in my head telling me to throw myself out of my sports car going 120 miles on the interstate. Uh, and, you know, it was, just, uh, it was just a very, like, nightmarish kind of season for me. And that was actually the time when I began to, to, to really cry out to God and, and to say, you know, hey, God, if you're real, um, you know, I need I need you because if you don't if you don't uh, if you don't save me out of this um, you know I would I would be dead you know I was I was thinking about suicide and 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 I knew that I was in trouble when that those thoughts began to cross my mind and uh, and I don't know God heard my my prayer and I said if 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 you take me out of this situation God I'll serve you. And I made that statement to God, you know, because I'd tried everything. I, I'd, you know, I dated witches. I, I, you know, I was into, you know, I was interested in the supernatural occult and the darker things, you know, the supernatural. And uh, it just got, got worse and worse for me. Um, I thought I would, I would have a release through those things. I'd have some kind of sense of power. But it just, the voices were just like demonic. And um, so I went to Louisiana after my mother uh, said, why don't you come back home for a little bit? And, and she told me about these uh, meetings, that, that she was meeting with other people in, in, in her community, and, and they were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And uh, at first I just thought that, you know, they were a bunch of crazy people, you know. I said, oh, gosh, that's really weird. And, uh, but I went there because I had, no other, I had no other way to go, you know. So I just was in with this, in this back seat of a car with these little old ladies and my mom, and we were going to a prayer meeting in Louisiana. And uh, I, was, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I had a vision of Jesus, which changed my life. And um, the Bible began to be more, uh, I, all of a sudden I began to understand the words of God, and I began to read the Bible, and I began to just immerse myself in His Word. And then I went to the, to the band, David and them back in Mississippi, and I said, "Hey, there's more to there's more to God than what men have led us to believe." And uh, I said, "You know, let's let's uh, you know you know what we have to do, guys. Let because they acknowledged Jesus, but they were more culturally um, believers. They were more like cultural Christians or or country club Christians, so to speak. Um, and they didn't really." They didn't, you know, they had not gone to church in a while, and of course we had the sex, drugs, and rock and roll thing going on. So when I said we need to change the lyrics of our song, keep the same music, but just change the lyrics of the song to make to to be more godly lyrics than these sex, drugs, and rock and roll lyrics. Uh, they thought I was crazy, and they said they said I must be on some kind of a drug, and. Um, 
but then I just kept on and kept on talking, you know, and kept on telling them about Jesus and that he is, he's more, you know, and he, he's, he's an amazing, amazing uh, God that, 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 uh, that, that, that saves us. And, um, and so they eventually all came to the Lord, and um, David, Rayburn, Claiborne, all the brothers came to the Lord, and um, they began to play Christian music. And at the time, I'd, in the meantime, I'd married my wife, Kathy, and we had a whole other side story. We went to California. I was going to start a group with David, uh, with uh, Desi Arnaz Jr. That didn't happen. And then Starbuck, uh, the, the, the famous mainstream music uh, band that did Moonlight Feels Right, they were playing at Six Flags in L.A., and I played with a couple of the guys in the band before, and they knew of me, and they asked me to join them because they were losing their drummer. So we moved from California to Atlanta, Georgia, and did some rehearsing with them, and then I got fired two weeks later from that band, and um, my wife was crying, and she says, what are we going to do? And I said, well, I said, this is, this is probably the very best thing that could ever happen to us, because I was a Christian believer, and... We moved back to Jackson, Mississippi, which is where my wife's from, and I went to college and played in jazz bands, and then David and the Giants, in the meantime, began to play in churches without a drummer, and they asked me to join them and be their drummer. So in 1979, I joined them as the Christian David and the Giants, and I just really felt like God was really telling me to to make a commitment to them and say, hey, look, this is what you've been talking about all these years to these guys now they're doing it so go ahead and let's let's go guys and so that started uh 1979 my wife became pregnant and uh david called me one night and said uh we've been asked to go to england uh and do uh two weeks in england so uh i said okay and and uh you know even though my wife was pregnant and uh I ended up being able to be there for uh, Tara, our daughter's um, birth, but uh, I immediately went off and went to England and then went on the road with David and the Giants and played in churches all across the nation. And uh, at that time, you know, there, was, there wasn't a lot of uh, rock, Christian rock going on, and we were kind of uh, on the forefront of that, you know, uh, or in the very beginnings of some of that stuff, you know. Well, that's really cool. And I'm sure in 50 years of music, you probably have some great memories of, you know, recording and being on the road and have probably worked with and met, uh, you know, a lot of cool artists. What would you say that some of your favorite memories and times are, perhaps people you've met or worked with along the way? Um, were you talking about Christian artists? Well, just artists in general. I mean, if people you've met along the way that you were, you know, excited to work with or, or perhaps meet along the way. Well, yeah, you know, if you want to go back to the mainstream days, um, um, you know, Tommy Aldrich, the the, the drummer for uh, White uh, White Snake, and uh, and um, just he's like a big hard rock drummer, famous drummer. Uh, he he was a, a buddy who I hung out with. He's from Mississippi as well. And um, David and them, when I when I left David and the Giants. Um, uh, he had joined them, and uh, 
He's, he, he, was a, he was a nice guy, uh, and I believe he's a Christian now. I actually believe he's a believer. But um, uh, we, we also had a guy named Greg Jafria who was in a group called Angel that was a big uh, uh, group that was on Casablanca Records, who I live with. Um, he's now like an entrepreneur and uh, lives in Las Vegas and owns the Biloxi uh, Hard Rock Cafe and uh, he's just, uh, he was a nice guy as well. Uh, and then just, just Christian artists. I mean, there, there's a, those, those guys are just like, I mean, there's so many, so many artists we played with, you know, uh, from, uh, Marlon Lefebvre, he's a great guy. Um, he actually gave, gave me some drum cases when he, when he heard I didn't have drum cases for my new drums. Um, he actually got the dimensions of what I needed and and uh, sent me some flight cases, which was I thought was just an amazing thing and just just a great guy and a very giving guy and um, we um, you know we played with just about every conceivable artist from Petra to uh, Whiteheart to uh, we played the Night of Joy at, at Disney World and played with Michael W Smith and uh, AD was there and Whiteheart. Um, I mean, just I could just go on and on. You know, we we've had uh, Leslie Phillips open for us. Um, we had uh, uh, oh, who is who? It escapes me now. My old age here. Uh, the guy who uh, who did uh, uh, our God is an awesome God. Rich Mullins. Rich Mullins. Yeah, he he opened for us in Chicago uh, a couple of times. Um, hung out with th- those kind of people, and he had us in his uh, in his uh, Christian um, um, coffee house up in Kansas. I, I guess it was Kansas. Um, some years after that, and uh, so it was. You know, we just it was just part of who what we did. We 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 uh, we played a number of times at Creation Fest and Fishnet Fest and um, Jesus Orlando. Uh, and with just multitude of, of different uh, talented Christian musicians, yes. That's really cool. And you know, I I can say that when I saw you guys perform this past September alongside uh, Greg X Vol's classic Petra, I was absolutely blown away. You guys put on an incredible show, one of the best that I have seen. And that's saying a lot because I've been to over a hundred shows in the past fifteen years. Wow, man! Thank you. <laughs> I don't know if it was that good, but <laughs> but thanks. Oh, you're welcome. Well, Keith, I ask many musicians this that are in bands for as long as you've been. Uh, what what do you credit as being the driving factor on longevity of a band that has been together as long as you guys have? Uh, to you personally, what do you think that is? Well, I think it's really you know a sense of 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 uh, who you are and what your calling is, you know, and um, you know playing with David and the Giants. Um, it's, it's, it, it's just, you know, these guys, I, I, I've known since I was 16 years old, and I'm 68 now, so it's like I've known these guys throughout the years. I know them backwards and forwards. They know me. They've seen our bad, bad, uh, bad side, our good sides, our funny sides, our every side, and um, it's just great to be able to be with people who are called and who know and are still serving God and are and, and are and are passionate about our faith 
and uh, it's just it's just really cool to be able to uh, and I and I really feel like we you know I, I'm enjoying when I do play when we do play I feel like I'm in, I enjoy playing much more than it was when we were younger because I always felt like I was trying to accomplish something back when I was younger but uh, I, now I can just kind of relax and, and just enjoy the the music and and uh, I actually think we're actually playing the better as a group together than we did back in the past. Well, Keith, aside from music, you and your wife own a company, a far cry from TV and music, I might add, and it appears to be quite a passion for your both. Tell us about Ballet Magnificat. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because, um, you know, when I went to David and them and started telling them about Jesus and telling them you know, about changing the lyrics of the song to more godly lyrics. You know, I saw in there where, in Psalms, where we are to praise his name with music. You know, sing unto the Lord. And so, you know, play instruments unto the Lord. And so I saw that there was a biblical um, uh, affirmation in the Bible and, and really a command to do that as part of our worship. So... I also saw that we're to praise his name with the dance. And so dance has been so re- regulated to, you know, to uh, more uh, seductive, more, uh, you know, just the bad kind of dance, kind of like they did in the, in the desert when the children of Israel rose up and, and began to play and when Moses was on the mount and um, then he threw the, threw the tablets down and all that. But... Um, I just saw that there was a, a biblical affirmation and, and a command to do that too. And so Kathy uh, is a very, my wife Kathy is a very talented ballet dancer who, uh, who won a silver medal in the international ballet competition back in 1982. And that's the same um, uh, competition uh, that Mikhail Baryshnikov won a gold medal. Uh, so she's, she's a very uh, talented uh, dancer, and uh, she danced very many years with um, with the Ballet Mississippi and the Jackson Ballet here in, in Mississippi. And uh, I just uh, when I when I joined David and the Giants, I told her that um, uh, you know you you need to dance for the Lord, you know. And that began to 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 get into her heart, and she had a vision for that. And um, we had a some several pr- prophetic words that, that were spoken into our lives. And, and, um, and then after, uh, I guess in 1986, she uh, resigned from the secular ballet and started Ballet Magnificat with nothing, nothing of promise, nothing to, to, you know, no dancers, no nothing. But she just knew that God had called her. And so uh, we knew it was, you know, People would say, you know, you're never gonna, you're never gonna amount to anything with this. Nobody's gonna have you. Who ever heard of Christian ballet? And uh, but we just, we just knew that God had called us and that there was a vision for this. So the vision really propelled her, and it propelled others to come alongside and join Kathy, and and we 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 started going out and touring, much like David and the Giants did with our music they began to tour you know with dance 
and ballet mm-hmm. in different churches, and churches began to have us. And uh, it was just uh, it was just an amazing thing that God did. And 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 uh, Ballad Magnificat is uh, is really a pioneer, kind of like David and the Giants in in, in certain um, certain areas of of dance uh, in Christianity. And uh, to this day, people people kind of want to always want to know what 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 is Christian dance, you know? But uh, you know, we 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 have stories. We have uh, we dance to stories like the Hiding Place, which is the story of Corey Tim Boom, who uh, who hid the Jewish people back in World War II uh, from the Nazis and ended up in a concentration camp. Her sister was killed, and uh, but the story is that she was able to forgive the Nazi guard years later after she became a Christian or when she was able to uh, get beyond that and forgive him. She uh, she forgave this this man and and uh, and it was it was just um, it's just a great tool to bring you know to the to the theaters and churches uh, of God's love and God's uh, uh, mercy and grace. We uh, we do things like um, that ballet. We do Deliver Us, which is uh, music from the Prince of Egypt. The DreamWorks movie about uh, Moses and the children of Israel and that whole deliverance story. Um, we 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 do things like Ruth and the Prodigal Son. All these stories that really reflect and show the love of God, and we do it through a unique manner of uh, of, of of professional dance. These these dancers are trained, you know, uh, all day long. They rehearse. They uh, they're professional. They've been doing this for years, but 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 the thing that really makes it a, the difference is their uh, their their heartfelt passion and faith in Jesus Christ. Well, that is amazing. I'm so glad you guys are doing that now as a ministry. And you know, Keith, it sounds like you have lived quite a fulfilling life in and out of the spotlight and. In closing, I guess, when when we're all have gotten home to be with the Lord, our legacy is what we leave behind. What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind for your family, friends, and fans? Uh, I think just that, that you know, um, that I kept my eye on Jesus uh, throughout it all and that my faith in God, number one, my love for my wife, and, and our daughter Tara, and uh, our son Bryson. I mean, our, our grandson Bryson. We don't have a son. Um, our little grandson is four years old, and uh, you know her husband as well, Bryce. And uh, just uh, also that um, I don't know. I, I I just kept my eye on Jesus. Amen. Well, that's. That's all we can ask for in life. Well, Keith, it has indeed been a pleasure chatting with you today. I appreciate you so much for joining us today on Kingdom Builder. I sincerely hope that you and your family have an amazing 2019, my friend. Hey, man, it's been a blessing, Jane, and and I enjoy talking with you in Florida. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. All right, and that's where we will end our interview. And, again, I, I really appreciate you joining us today. I was 
really looking forward to talking to you today. And I, I'm sorry I went over the time that I I told you like 25 minutes. I know we're oh, no, that's perfect. I, I, you know what it was? It's probably me talking so much. <laughs> oh no, no. In fact, I'm and and I get excited about uh, any of the interviews that I do, but I especially get excited when I know that what I'm talking about is going to is going to be interesting to not only people, you know, of this generation, but but the older folks that grew up with, you know, watching these shows and stuff. Like my mom, my mom was telling me she's like, as soon as you get this done, I wanna I wanna hear this because you know she loved that show. She always liked to hear, you know, the the background, like kind of you know what was it like actually being there kind of thing. So I greatly That's appreciate cool. that. That's so what cool, I'll man. do is I'll actually um. I will send you, I'll email you uh, and let you know or text you and let you know when we're going to have this. I'm, I'm aiming for like the second week in January to come back uh, with new shows. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my aim. But um, in the meantime, I'll send you what, uh, I want to get some liners for you to, to put in the show like, hey, this is Keith Thibodeau and you're listening to Kingdom Builder kind of thing. But I'll email this to you. Okay. And since you have an since you have an iPhone, the easiest way to record those is just using the voicemail app on your phone, and you can just record them all in one thing and just text them back to me. That way, when we do the show in January, I'll have those uh, those sound bites as well. Talking about a text audio. Yeah, it's like uh, there's an app on your phone on your iPhone. It's called Voice Memo. Yeah. You can actually record. You can record with that, and then you can text the the voice memo. So. I'll okay. send those over to you, and just whenever you get a chance, if you can record those for me and send them back, we're going to uh, put those in with future shows and with the one that we're airing in January. Okay, fantastic. Also, I wanted to tell you that, you know, uh, the band, David and the Giants, we're, we're coming out with a new CD uh, album, the first one since 1989 when I left the band. Yeah. Um, did you know that? No, I didn't. In fact, um, I think I had briefly talked with David about that when at that show because I was checking to. Uh, I was thinking, you know, obviously, you guys are back doing some shows and stuff, but that was going to be my next question. But then uh, a couple of the people, I didn't want to take up too much of his time, but I need to follow up with him because he he wanted to join us for an interview too. So yeah, that's yeah. Was, that so, was, so yeah, it's the first time in. in uh, since 1989, and um, and we've already done the tracks for it, and it should be about ready, maybe even by the time you do this interview, uh, Eric. Okay. So I just want to let you know that. And you might want to talk to David about it, though. Yeah. Um, I, I, he had given me his business card that had a number on it, but when I went in my wallet, I could not find the business card. So... Is there any way you can check with him, see if he's cool with me having his number and just text me his number so I can get a hold of him? Because I'd love to, you know, feature the album on our website, but I'd also love to have him as a guest on the show as well since he's, you know, he's yeah, got a lot I'm of gonna, experience. I'm going to text you his number too. right now. He's okay. not going to mind at all. Um, all right. Wait a minute. Share contact. Um which, hold on, brother, what is your number? It's 
Um, and is this a podcast or a radio show? Uh, it's it's kind of a little of both. Um, we separate the interviews and put them kind of as a podcast by themselves for those that just want to listen to the interviews by themselves. And then the show is actually we're looking at um, we're looking at putting. Uh, we were on online radio. We're actually there's a couple of radio online radio stations that we're looking at putting the show on early next year. Kind of finalizing that stuff now, but right now it's actually the shows are running in their entirety on SoundCloud. So all of our old broadcasts that we had on like One Jam Nation Radio and Righteous Rock Radio, those are all going to be there's like 70 shows. I've done 70 shows since we started. Mm-hmm. So those will be those will all be available soon to listen to. But in the meantime, anything new that we have is going to go on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, but we are looking to do online radio again. We're just trying to figure out where our show would fit the best. Okay. Well, uh, uh, you know, you got a great radio voice. Um, a lot. You know, it's, it's very, very. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing unless you didn't have one. But um, yeah. I think you could do well, well with that. Well, I, I I definitely enjoy what I do, and you know that was a goal when I was in high school. Was uh, I wanted to I wanted to do sports broadcasting. I love baseball and football, and um. Well, hey, you uh, know my you know my son-in-law is a head basketball coach for Vanderbilt. Is he? Yeah, he's Bryce Drew. He was the uh, he was in the NBA and uh, point guard for uh, Valparaiso, the, the college back in the day. Yeah. And uh, and uh, anyway, he's now the head I, basketball I, I, coach. He's been that for like two years now, I think, in Nashville. Yeah, I've seen his. Uh, I've actually seen his name uh, on quotes on ESPN. That's actually pretty cool. I didn't know that was your your son-in-law. Yeah, that's that's our daughter's um, husband, Bryce, and. Our grandson is Bryson, four years old, so that's kind of cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, well, I, you know, when I was in high school, I um, I wasn't a Christian in high school, and my, I got my girlfriend pregnant uh, the, the, the tail end of my senior year, so uh-huh. I had to make either a choice to either raise, you know, work full-time and raise a child or go to college, so when I graduated, uh-huh. I, obviously, I chose to you know, raise my daughter. So I didn't go to college. I wanted to be a broadcaster. And oh, wow. 2004, five years after I graduated, um, a Christian radio station came to the small town I lived in, Zephyr Hills, Florida. And I called it up and I told the guy my story. I said, you know, I got saved last year. I've always wanted to work in broadcasting. And long story short, that's what got the ball rolling. I actually I co-hosted a show with, a, with like kind of a radio legend in these parts. Um, for six months, and then I started that website, and it's kind of, you know, the Lord's definitely opened up a lot of doors, and I've, people have told me that before with radio, like, you know, you've, you've got the voice, you, you know, you've, you've got the ability to do that, if that's something you feel the Lord's, you know, calling you to do, you need to, you need to take that opportunity, and I have, so it's, it's been fun. If you do the right thing, brother, the Lord will lead you in the right direction. Yeah. Well, I appreciate. And you've done that, so praise the Lord. Yeah, it's man. always it's always That's exciting awesome. to to have some people that are able to share their stories, and so I love I love more than anything being able to share people's testimonies and stories of how the Lord 
has taken them, you know, from from one thing to the next. And when you were talking about your the dark times in your life before you got saved, that's exactly the boat I was in. I came to a point where I'm like, you know what, uh, this I'm not living my life right. Nothing's going right. Something's got to change. You know, Lord, if you're real, reveal yourself to me and and help me. And that's yeah. that's where my that's where my road started. So. I always enjoy hearing other people's stories about how they came to know the Lord, especially people who spent time in mainstream music or films and stuff. I've got a chance to talk to a lot of those folks and mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of fun seeing, you know, the great work that, that God can do in someone's life. Well, so. it is amazing that we live in this, this dispensation of grace, brother, that we can call on God, you know, Amen, Thank you, brother. Well, if you need anything from me, you got my number. Just give me a call. I just I got your text um, of, uh, of David's number. I'll reach out to David. But yeah, put put a bug in in uh, Bryce's ear if when when he's. I, I know that they're kind of in the middle of the basketball season, but uh, once once March comes around and basketball's over, let him know. I would love to, you know, would love to talk with him. And uh, he he's a Christian too, right? Yeah, he's a believer. I, I would love, I would love for you to, um, you know, to get a chance to talk to him. He is like super, super busy right now. Um, yeah. But we're getting ready to go there. Uh, we're getting ready to go to Nashville, my wife and I, and uh, spend Christmas with him um, Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, Monday. And they they play like Arizona, and they've got a, they got they got their work cut out for them, you know, with these people, you know. Um, do you know if they play? Do you know if, if Vanderbilt plays USF, University of South Florida? I don't know if they're in the same division. I don't. I, I pay more attention to college football. I'm, I'm from Ohio, so. Oh well, Ohio you know State. he's. I'm an Ohio he, they're in the SEC. Vanderbilt's in the SEC. Yeah, I don't know what. I think USF is in kind of. They play like Cincinnati and. I, are they uh, in the uh, the Atlantic or something like that? I don't I know. I think. I think so. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Atlantic Conference, but, yeah, but they, uh, ever yeah, but I'll, Florida, I'll, I'd love to keep that in mind and remind me too. You know, maybe um, maybe in the spring or something uh, after you know all the tournament and all that stuff. And, and I, because he he really is crazy. But I, that guy does a lot. Uh, he really does. Oh yeah, boy, head coach. I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect anything less. Yeah, I'll follow up with you uh, in the spring. Yeah, I would love to love to chat with him, and have him on the show as well. So once once basketball is done, um, I'll shoot you a reminder and see if we can't get him on there as well. But fantastic, yeah, brother. All right, brother. I, I appreciate you. You too, man. Well, it's good talking to you, and uh, I, I will talk to you soon. and let you know what's going on. Okay, Jay. All right, have take a good care, one. Hey, Merry Christmas, brother. Oh, Merry Christmas to you, too. Thanks. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.